0: If you've got questions about contracts or copyrights, stick around for the answers.
1: You're a voice actor. You're an entrepreneur. You're a vopreneur. Welcome to the Everyday Vopreneur Podcast your guide through the business of voiceover. Having your voiceover demos easily playable and downloadable on your website is essential. The VoiceSam player lets you do that across any device and browser. There are also options for adding play buttons in your email signature, tracking your listens, and even putting videos in your demo player. Sign up now at voicezam.com slash Mark Scott and receive an instant $25 credit. For full details and to claim this offer, Visit voicesam.com slash Mark Scott.
0: The Veopreneur Podcast. Hey, it doesn't suck.
1: Not as funny as Conan. Not as cute as Seth Myers. Not as smart as Colbert. But he's one of us, and that counts for something. Here's Mark Scott, the original everyday Veopreneur.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Everyday Vopreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. I'm Mark Scott, the original everyday Veopreneur, Here to do another episode filled with actionable, practical advice that you can start applying right away into your voiceover business, and we are going to address a particularly important topic today. Now, before we get there, a couple of things I want to mention. First of all, if you need help with the business and marketing side of voiceover, I would love to have the opportunity to help you, and I do offer free 15-minute consultations that you can book through my website at MarkScottCoaching.com. Check that out book a consult, let's have a chat, let's see if we can get your marketing on track. Second thing, just thank you for listening, and if you are listening, I would love it if you would share that you are listening through Instagram. Post it in your Instagram stories and tag me in it, at Mark Scott, so I can know that you're listening and that you are enjoying the episodes, love to hear your feedback on everything that we are talking about. So I mentioned that we've got a really important topic to talk about today, we're going legal. My hope is that you never end up in a position where you have to hire an attorney. But my experience after a number of years in the business is that it's probably going to happen at some point or another that you are going to need at least some level of legal expertise. And I have brought in a guest that is going to give you that legal expertise from a very unique perspective. So as voice actors, we've got a lot to think about. We need to get great demos, work with reputable coaches, make sure our studios are dialed in. We always need to be able to perform. But then on the vopreneur side, we've got a whole other batch of responsibilities and obligations from marketing to customer service, accounting to sales and copyrights to contracts. And to help with those last two in particular, I brought in a special guest who is uniquely qualified. His acting credits include shows for HBO, Travel Channel, and Discovery ID. He's even had a role in a Super Bowl commercial for Chevrolet. He has film credits, production credits, theater credits, and directing credits. And yes, he's done VO as well with clients including the Los Angeles Dodgers, Mountain Dew, Mercedes-Benz, and the CIA. Oh, and did I mention he's also an attorney and author of an Amazon best-selling book titled Voiceover Legal? I almost don't feel worthy to have him on the podcast. Rog, Sig, Paglia. Welcome to the everyday Vopreneur podcast
2: <laughs> not worthy come on thank
0: thanks for, and, thanks for having me and that was it's a like pleasure. a pleasure that was like a tenth of the credits too as I'm sitting here reading I'm like geez, these are all amazing. how do I pick which ones I'm going to talk about but uh a, a very impressive career to say the least and a very interesting combination actor thank director you. and attorney tell us how that came about
2: uh, I mean I started as an attorney uh, right out of uh, college I went to law school. And I was working for a firm. Um, I always wanted to do something in the arts because I was a DJ during college. And I was always like behind the scenes, the technical guy, you know, didn't okay. want to be out, out front. Um, <laughs> so one day I, I, I uh, was just flipping through a adult ed bulletin and um, I saw a course on uh, an introductory course on voiceover, which I really didn't, didn't even know what it was <laughs> at the time. But I, I thought it sounded interesting, so I took the course and I was hooked. That's how I started. And
0: you've turned it into a pretty impressive career because it's gone so much further beyond the booth then as well, like acting, directing, theater. You've you've done it all basically.
2: Yeah, one thing kind of leads to the next. Uh, that's what I've learned. Um, you know, so I, uh, I, I after I took that course, I took a lot more courses and I cut a demo, and then I uh, started auditioning on one of the pay to place. And I got my first gig was a PBS documentary national. <laughs> so <with laughs> that's Campbell not Scott. a bad first gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. It was, I did it at Broadway sound, which is uh, at Rockefeller center. That's where they do all the posts for Saturday night live. So that was my first gig. <laughs> so, wow. But it kind of validated everything, kind of, you know, cause you know, you have all those doubts. Is this real? Should I be doing this? Am I, you know, am I, good enough to do this stuff, you know, but it kind of validated everything. And so that kind of, that really motivated me. And, and, uh, I sprung from there I, from there I started, uh, I just started meeting people. I got my headshots done, started sending stuff in for on camera stuff, started doing that, um, meeting more people that led to doing some asking, uh, for auditions for plays, um, you know, then directing stuff and now producing. So it's kind of one thing's led to the next and kind of the uh, the thread that ties all that together is is the law it's the legal legal end of it the attorney end of it so
0: and that's what i'm really looking forward to getting into with you because i would say that it's probably an area where the vast majority if not all voice actors just really fall short because we just don't know what we don't know and so i'm looking forward to hopefully demystifying a few things and and uh, getting Proper perspective because it's really easy to go into a voiceover group, and there's all kinds of legal experts in voiceover groups, but there's really only, <laughs> you know, probably a couple that actually are. So let's start with social media because that can be an area where a lot of voice actors get themselves into trouble. It's created countless opportunities for us to build a brand, create a public platform. It's also created countless opportunities for unknowing voice actors to violate copyright laws. So the first one that I see happening a lot, what do talent need to know about sharing and or live streaming auditions or sessions on their social media profile? Because it seems to be a pretty popular
2: practice. Right, yeah, I mean, if they uh, are under a non-disclosure agreement or if, um, if it's a product that they're doing that for, um, that can get them into some hot water because uh, normally when you're doing those auditions, you know, there there. It was always an unspoken rule that it was to remain confidential. Um, you're not supposed to be broadcasting that or telling that. You know, to that copy to the to the world until they're ready to to put it out. So, um, you know, a lot of uh, places are making you sign non-disclosure agreements and confidentiality agreements before you even do the auditions now because of that. So, it's a good practice. That's actually you know, can get you in hot hot water, legal trouble, not to do those, not to broadcast those unless you have permission from the client to do it. So it's uh, something to keep in mind that, uh, you know, it's cool to live stream your auditions, but if the client finds out about it, then not only can you get in legal trouble, but you know, that they aren't going to use you in the future, you know, for just plain business sense it, uh, you know, you can get yourself in, in trouble. Uh, you know, get get behind, uh, uh an, the eight ball with them. And so they're not going to use you for their, their voice, you know, then later
0: now they're questioning whether or not you're someone that can be trusted at that point. Right.
2: Right. Yeah. And that, you know, why, you know, or, or just, you know, they get mad at you for, you know, it's kind of like when you go on a film set and you take pictures, <laughs> you take pictures, you know, that's a big no, no, right. You're going to get kicked off set. Same kind of, that's how I look at the, the you know uh, live streaming auditions you know you're 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 not you're behind the scenes so you're not supposed to be that's supposed to stay behind the curtain it's <laughs> until the client's ready to put that commercial out there you know so it's uh you know yeah it's a distrust it's um
0: why are they doing that with
2: our stuff you know the, those kind of those kind of reactions that the client get gives get you know and a casting director too if it's going through a casting director they can get in trouble for that too by uh, from the client so so it better off
0: just to write your own script or find some practice script somewhere or something like that, do something like that, but keep the auditions where they're meant to be, which is between you and your agent or between you and your casting site, or even between you and your client. If you're working with clients directly and, you know, permission, right. I guess it all comes back to, to getting permission if you want to do something like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't understand the fascination with it anyway, because like when I do an audition, I treat that as sacred you know it's it's uh, i don't want anyone to hear my audition except for the client you know what i mean especially if it's
0: one of those ones where it's like you know the deadline is is a day or two from now and you've done your audition online early and now other voice actors have watched and saw what you did and now they're like oh wait maybe i should go back and change mine or maybe i can take this approach or whatever so
2: yeah Yeah, it's kind of like it's giving away your trade secrets you know what i mean (laughs)
0: great point. (laughs) yeah so to further expand on this what about after the project we've worked on has been completed, a lot of voice actors assume that just because their voice is on it, they have the right to share it, post it, use it, et cetera. True or false?
2: Uh, I guess it depends on the job. If it's uh, if something that's broadcast, so something that's you know on the air, something that they put online, the client, then you can generally use it. Well, you can use it legally, but the question is on the business side. Okay. Do you want to use it without getting permission? You know and if it's something that's not broadcast, especially like for pharmaceuticals, um, something in a, in a very sensitive, confidential practice area like that, like if you use that, if you put that out publicly, that's going to get you in trouble. So it's always good practice to get permission from the client. But if it's something that's on national TV, you know, or, or even local or regional TV or radio, you know, those are generally okay to use.
0: You made a really interesting And it's something that I ran into very early in my voiceover business, which was I had done a project and I found that project on YouTube. And so I shared that project on social media. And then I actually got a very angry letter from my client, who was the production company, the middleman, um, who got a very angry letter from their client because they did not want the voice actor sharing the project. They had a very strategic social media plan in place, I guess. And they were tracking all the analytics and metrics and everything. And by me sharing it, it it screwed everything up. And so it's interesting here, you say, I mean, legally, I didn't really do anything wrong. I wasn't under a contract or an NDA that said I couldn't, but you got to consider the business implications of it as well. So that's why going forward, I always just default to asking for permission first. And I mean, then, you know, I'm asking for permission. It's been a month or two months since we did the project. I see it as an opportunity to bring myself top of mind again, but it's also just CYA, right? Cover your butt.
2: Right. Exactly. It's, it's staying, it's, it's, uh, considering your client and staying in touch with them so that, you know, they, if there is anything out there, you know, for an opportunity, they can, they, you're right there. They can, Hey, we got this other project for you. Yeah. It's good business too. So absolutely.
0: So continuing on with the subject of social media, we talked about live streaming auditions. What about voice actors who are making videos, whether it's YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, whatever platform doing celebrity impressions or recreating scenes from movie shows, games, etc. cetera. Are there any, is there anything copyright wise or legal wise they need to take into consideration before they start doing stuff like that?
2: I mean, if they're recreating it, that's one thing. If they're actually using the, the copyrighted material. So if they're, you know, copying the music or using the picture, that's a, that's a different, that's a whole different scenario. So if they're using the copyrighted material, That's copyright infringement without permission. If they're just recreating it, that's more of a gray area. That's more of a, it's a fair use argument because it's, you're transforming, it's transformative. It's hard to say exactly because fair use is a defense to a copyright infringement action. So like if, say you did a Disney reenactment and Disney didn't want you to do it and they sued you for copyright infringement, then you would have to bring up the defense that, well, that's fair use, you know, it's transformative. So, you're already kind of, you're already behind the eight ball. You're already in trouble, you know, when you're using right. that defense. So, I mean, I would say that legally doing the reenactment's okay because it's fair use. But it, the only way to avoid that issue is not to do it at all. That's the only way. Because otherwise, you're going to test it in, in court or you're going to test it with a cease and desist. You're going to, you know, you may end up paying some money to test, uh, to defend your your reenactment. So- And I would say if if you're using a clip or a a part of the song that that would be infringement and you can, you can be held legally responsible, legally liable for that.
0: So what about if, so that's, if you're recreating the scenes, what if you're just doing impressions or whatever, and you're doing your own content and material, you're, you're free and clear there.
2: Yeah. Celebrity impressions are fine. The only thing with celebrity impersonations if your intent is to have the audience believe it's the actual celebrity, that's where you, it's illegal. So if they know that you're doing the impression and they know that it's not really the celebrity, then that's fine because that's considered a parody. So if someone is actually trying to be, you know, uh, Morgan Freeman, let's say, they're, they're trying to convince somebody that Morgan Freeman's actually the voice that did that. And it wasn't him. You know, like, I think that happened with Visa. Didn't they use an impersonator for Visa? Well, I was
0: was thinking about there was an example from radio once upon a time where somebody called in. I want to say, like, as a president or something. And and the morning show did not realize, like, they thought they were getting a legit call from whoever this person was. That's one of those examples where you could potentially get yourself into trouble then, because at that point, it's very clearly not parody because even the morning show is not in on the gag.
2: At that point, if you're trying to convince the audience that that's actually the celebrity, that's what's illegal.
0: Very interesting. So one of the, I want to say arguments, although I don't really consider it much of an argument, but it's, you know, that's never going to happen. Nobody's ever going to come after me. Has it happened? Have voice actors got busted for some of this stuff before for doing some of these things that they aren't supposed to be doing?
2: Yeah, no, it it definitely happens. Um, You know. It comes down to a matter of first someone listening, hearing it, right? Yeah. And then it comes down to whether or not they want to take the time for whatever reason to pursue the talent. But it does happen. I've had several cases like that over the years where, you know, people have come to me because of celebrity impersonations or, um, you know, copyright infringements, you know, all all of those things. So it it does happen.
0: Ignorance is not generally a valid argument. (laughs) Correct.
2: I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a small percentage. I mean, right. I mean, like, obviously it's not like it doesn't happen every day and it's, it's not, uh, it's, you know, it's probably like one out of a hundred, you know, but it's, it's still, you know, when I give people advice, I'm giving advice for the one, not for the, you know, you know what I mean? Like, cause that's the person that's going to be in my office. So I can't, I, if, even though it'd be maybe a 99% chance, it's not going to happen. I still have to, I can't, I have to give out the proper advice to make sure that that one person is not going to end up in hot water because so.
0: there is that slight chance that it could happen. And I I want to just clarify for everybody listening to what we're talking about today. I'm not talking about it because I'm saying, don't ever do this thing. Don't ever do that thing. Don't ever do that thing because you might get sued. I'm saying, here's what you need to understand and then make your decisions accordingly. In some, some areas, you know, you don't have to worry about other areas are potential gray areas. All of the time we see. Hosts or uh, casting opportunities on pay to plays in particular, looking for celebrity impressions. And so I just want to make sure that talent understand, you know, the scope of what they're potentially stepping into if they're going to do one of those jobs or submit for one of those jobs, if you've got the ability to do that celebrity impression. So it's, it's all about education, right? It's just knowing what you're getting into.
2: Exactly. Knowing the issue is that's more than half the battle. Because then you can't really make an informed decision if you don't have the information. Yep. So that's my job, to give you the information, not to make the call for you, but to uh, give you, you know, the legal end of it. And then you can have it, you'll can you have the information to uh, make a, an informed decision on your own. You know, and these are things that you wouldn't – sometimes they get so complicated you would need to consult with a, a, someone who's an expert in an attorney. But most of the time, these are things that you can use your common sense about. So as long as you understand that there's an issue.
0: Absolutely. So here's another heavily debated topic, logos and posting logos on the website. Yes yep. or no. Can we or can't we, should we or shouldn't we?
2: If the logo's trademarked and you put it up on your website without permission, again, trademark infringement. It, that's an easy one. I mean, the, whether they're going to go chase you or not, that's a whole other question. But- you know, they, that's an intellectual property. So it's, you need permission to use people's intellectual property and any intellectual property. It's like regular property. Like if you, you can't just go walk out in someone's driveway and hop in their car and drive around the block. And, Oh, I was just, uh, you know, I was just using your car. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that's theft. <laughs> it's the same thing with intellectual property. Property's property. It doesn't matter if it's intellectual, you know, on paper, or if it's real property, you know, like a car or a house, the, the rules are the same. So think about it that way. You know, am I allowed to put this trademark, trademarked intellectual property on my website without getting getting permission? And the answer is no, you can't. You need to get permission from the client. And you know, again, one out of a hundred times, you know, are you gonna maybe even less than that? Half out of well, half of one percent of you know they're going to come after you. But I have gotten clients that have called me cease and desists from, you know, particular, particular companies that don't want, they don't want their logos associated with anywhere, any voice actor or whatever. They just don't want, they're very protective of their logos. So it, it really depends. And to tell you the truth, voiceover artists, a lot of times are the ones that get their logos and their trademark things and their copyrighted things lifted. And they're the ones that are contacting me saying that other voiceover artists are using their stuff. So that's where I see it the most is within the voiceover industry.
0: And so I know that there are certain companies that are very, very protective and it has nothing to do with us as the voice actor in particular. It's just they're protective of their brand and where their brand is, you know, posted, associated, whatever. Uh, So it's one of those things. And again, I guess part of the interesting thing, too, is I've done voiceover narration for some very large brands, but I didn't work directly with the brand. I worked with a production company. And so, when you're saying you need to get permission, you're not just saying like I can't go to the production company and ask the production company for permission to use X's logo. I could ask the production company if they want to ask the end client. Right. But you're saying you've got to have permission from the actual holder of the trademarked logo, which that's right. that's a different situation. So it's making sure you're going through the proper channels as well. Right.
2: If you, yeah, if you ask the production company, the production company has to ask their client and then come back. Like that's the way that it should work and it's supposed to work. So I wouldn't, I don't know any production company that would just say, sure, go ahead and use X's logo, their client's logo without actually talking to the client. I don't think that, I mean, I guess it could happen, but I don't think that that's very smart on the part of the production company.
0: So what about just listing names? We're okay just listing names if we don't do logos?
2: Yep. Yep. The names, the names are are those. That's definitely um, fair use. The name, um, it's the logo part. That's the you know that's the that's the specific trademark. So that's the intellectual property. But you can absolutely list names. Um, some uh, voiceover artists make up their own little logo. You know, to, to their own little design around the name. I haven't heard any challenges about that. I, that that's fine um, in general too. So that's it's really the trade-off. just the artwork.
0: It's, it's not yeah. that you can't use it. You just don't use the logo, just use the name. You still get to have the credit there and and everybody's happy and nobody's getting sued, I guess is basically.
2: Yeah. I mean, I suppose that the, that company could still make a stink and say, take my name off your, your website. We don't want it to be, we don't want to be associated with voice talent. I mean, they right. could do that if they wanted to. Um, but I haven't heard anyone. I haven't heard that case. I haven't heard. It's just, yeah. it's the artwork. Like that's the, that's the big deal. That, that's the intellectual property you know, the design
0: of the logo. So when it comes to copyright, and this this may be a very broad or maybe too broad of a question, but as far as copyright is concerned with voice actors and what they're doing on their websites and their social media, we've talked about celebrity impressions, streaming auditions, using logos, things of that nature. Are there any other specific issues in the copyright world that you've seen that voice actors should at least be aware of?
2: Yes, um, they need to be aware of if they use uh Pictures or uh, music, they can put a digital fingerprint or footprint on them. So if you post it up online, use it, post it up online, put it on your website, they can trace it back to you, and then you'll get one of these these letters, you know, saying you owe them two thousand or twenty five hundred bucks for uh, illegally using their their um, copyrighted photo or music. So this, I have been involved with these cases several times. With one with me, (laughs) one with you,
0: one with me, where you actually had to refer me to someone. It's it, that was a, it's an interesting situation. So, I mean, my story, I, I used an image from a royalty free site, but then two years later, somebody actually bought the rights to that image. And then they went around and they started going after small businesses who were using the image. uh, And it ended up costing me a significant amount of money to get out of, even though I hadn't necessarily done anything wrong in the beginning, but uh, they call them copyright trolls for a reason, yes. and so uh, it's it's one of those situations you have to be aware of. So you're saying, you know, if you're if you're looking for an image for your blog or for your social channel or whatever, don't go and do a Google image search and and grab whatever picture. Look for royalty free sites, pay for stock photography, things of that
2: nature. Correct. Yeah, make sure it's royalty free, or there's a license that you you can purchase, or you know that you could pay a monthly. Fee, uh, database fee so that you can use the, as much as you want just make sure that you're, you're you know it's licensed so that you can use it for uh, internet use and if you're going to use it for broadcast use there may be another license so like you know when I'm getting clips to, to put in film festivals and and uh, you know potentially sell films I you know that's even another level I need to make sure that I'm fully licensing the the material to use it.
0: And I've noticed that even I've purchased images in the past for digital use, and it's one thing if you want to put it on your website or, you know, put it on your Twitter feed or something, but it's a different license if you want to use it in a paid ad. So if I wanted to do a paid Facebook ad or a paid LinkedIn ad or whatever, that's a different use class. And so uh, a different fee on it. And if anybody should understand this, you'd think that it would be voice actors who are always griping about usage and making sure that they're getting paid appropriately for their voiceover, whether it's, you know, on somebody's website or on a YouTube channel or on a national TV commercial or whatever. But for some reason we get really upset when other people expect to be paid for the the work that they're doing as well. Now we've talked about images. So what about you said music as well. So this is something I'm assuming you want to take into consideration if you're producing demos or promo spots or things like that.
2: Yeah. Not just demos, but if, you know, like some, some, uh, you know, like before we were talking about, uh, um, some voice actors that, um, record their auditions you know maybe they want to put a music bed underneath it and put it up online you know if they if you don't get the properly licensed royalty free or royalty free music you're going to get one of those letters saying you used this uh, this much of our clip and you owe us you know $5000 or some random number
0: and once you've got the letter just to be clear it's too late. Like you're screwed at that point. It is going to probably cost you something to to ultimately get out of that. So if we can avoid getting to that point uh, by giving you a little bit of information up front, pay attention to the things that are being said right now. Let's shift gears from copyright. Let's let's talk about some contract basics, because I know this is a whole broad reaching. We could probably do a whole entire episode just on this. I've worked with agreements from clients that are simple one page, you know, outlining the job, sign it, done. I've also received contracts that are 14 pages long, clearly have zero to do with voiceover and are just some <laughs> standard agreement that the company sends to literally every vendor. Do we just sign it and get on with it or w- what's your advice?
2: Well, my number one piece of advice is to have your own contract and send it out. First, send out your voiceover contract to the client. Don't wait for the client's contract. Because their contract is going to be one-sided, even if it's one page, it's still going to be favoring them and not favoring you as a voice talent. So, um, you know, have your own template that you can send out and you could put in that template. Uh, the client hereby gives permission to, to uh, use the the recording in any, you know, on the website or whatever. You could put that right in the contract.
0: That's actually really so, smart. So now you don't have to try and go back and get that permission later.
2: Right. Just put it in the contract. Um If you do get a contract that's 14 pages, you know, look for the red flags in it. So look for things that say that, uh, you know, you're giving complete right usage uh, in perpetuity. Um, They own the files to do whatever they want with. Um, You have to buy $1 million of general liability insurance, you know. You're indemnifying the company and holding them harmless in case of any lawsuit that's brought as a result of the contract. All these things, these are all red flags. So I wouldn't sign those contracts unless um, you alter them or you send them out to your rep or your attorney to get them to alter them. Because most of the time, like you said, it's just a contract that goes out to every vendor. And a lot of those things, they're going to be okay taking out because they know that they don't apply to voiceover. So sometimes I've had this happen where I've gotten those, um, contracts in clients will send me a contract like that, want me to review it and I'll redline it. And then the client will be like, oh, just send us your contract, you know, cause it's easier than just redlining the whole thing. So that, that can happen too.
0: And that's something that's really important. I think, and this is an area where we don't know what we don't know. Right. And sometimes the idea of these contracts can be overwhelming Sometimes these contracts are coming from companies that we are really excited to work with. Sometimes they're coming on jobs that are very large paydays. And, and so it's like, a I don't want to rock the boat because I don't want to lose out. But you're saying perfectly within our rights, perfectly reasonable and probably really, really smart to just go through, cross out the things that you're concerned about, send it back to the client, have a conversation. And, and that really shouldn't create any issues, right?
2: Not only is it reasonable, and within your rights, it's expected. The others, the other the clients are expecting that. So, you know, especially the larger the client, the more boilerplate the contract is. So, and more one sided it is. So they expect you to come back, and they they'd be they'd be surprised if you didn't come back with changes. That's how one sided they are. So, don't the talent shouldn't feel like because they're rocking the boat because they're making the contract fair. Um, that that's just not the right. That that's not the that's not what a business person thinks, a uh, you know a true business person knows that you know this is what's fair. The things that they may squawk about are usage and things like that, and then you have to decide if you're giving away usage in perpetuity for any usage whatsoever. You know, then you may have to think if we want to do that job or not. Right. Those are, those are the things that are going to squawk. You know that that if you squawk about, they may push back. But some of the, most of those things they're not going to because. They know you don't need a million dollars worth of general liability insurance to do, you know, record some things from your your home studio. So things like that. That's a
0: really valid point too, because that's one that I see come up often in Facebook groups. I've just received a contract that says I need to get insurance. Where do I go and get insurance? And so rather than just signing it back saying, you know, crossing that out, voice actors are actually trying to figure out where to get a million dollar liability insurance. And that's obviously so unnecessary and the wrong approach. But again, you don't know what you don't know, right?
2: Shaking my head. Why would you need a million dollars worth of general liability insurance to do what I'm doing right now? To do what we're doing right now. Exactly. <laughs> to talk to each other over a microphone. Why? Who is going to fall? That is in case that's for a roofing contractor or something like that, <laughs> where someone's going to get injured and fall. And, you know, that's what that is there for. So if they're hiring some kind of vendor, you know, or some trucking company that's going to get into an accident, whatever, it, that you- general liability covers. It doesn't cover. Anything that we do, nothing.
0: You're not bringing the clients into your physical home studio for the sessions. So there's right. no reason for anything like that.
2: Right. And if I did, I'd have my own insurance anyway. I'd already have insurance. Right. Like if I had a full brick and mortar studio where people come in every day, I'd already have my insurance. So it wouldn't be a big deal. You know I am just, here you go. But, th- you know, we don't need that insurance generally because like you said, we don't have people coming to our studios. I mean- if you do have people coming to your home studios, then you, you can get that insurance and it's pretty cheap. It's only a couple hundred bucks a year, or you can even get a rider on your home policy. Right. But it's not, it's not, it's only necessary under certain circumstances. Absolutely. Limited circumstances. So, so but if the client's asking for it, it's not, it, you know, most of it's just, it's not necessary in a contract. Like it's
0: just because out. it's one of those standard contracts that they're sending out to, to every vendor. And so that's why it's important to read these things straight through. Now, I know you said be proactive before the client can send you a contract, you send them your contract. Uh, the, the, just the word contract scares a lot of people. It okay. can really just be like a, a one page agreement, just kind of outlining the scope of work, the usage, et cetera. Is, is that correct?
2: That's correct. and And that's a good point because this is what I tell talent about that. Correct. Contract is a, it's an intimidating word. So just call it a memorandum or a memo of understanding or something like that. I'm going to send you a memorandum that's all you have to say, or a memo. I'm going to send you a memo. Changes you
0: know, that, the language, that, makes it a little less intimidating.
2: I mean, memorandum of understanding is the kind of MOU. That's the, that's the term of art. That's what artists, you know, for your, when you're hiring crew members or you're hiring a DP, you know, director of photography or anyone in, in the business, that's, that's the term that the, that's, that's the term of art memorandum of understanding. So a production company, they under, they're already going to know what that means. Clients should know what that means. I mean, it, it's a, It's a more friendly term Yep, and it's also an industry term. Yep. So just use that, you know, you don't have to call it a contract. That's fine.
0: So one question that I know a lot of voice actors are thinking about right now, because it's very much in the news and in in awareness, the TikTok situation with fellow voice actor Bev standing, it's scared a lot of talent who are worried about their voices, right? Once our voices are out there, what is somebody going to do with it? We don't know. You know, I mean, in Bev's case, it ended up somewhere where she never intended for it to end up and being used in a way that she never intended for it to be used. So apart from contracts, you know, that we've just discussed, is there anything that voice actors need to know or that they should be doing or should be thinking about in order to try to protect themselves down the road? Is it just making sure that you've got a good agreement in place that outlines everything very clearly?
2: I mean, the agreement's the basis of it, um, and I'm glad you raised this because I've been seeing – I saw two of these in the last two days from one particular company that have sent contracts out that um, they're paying like $2,000 for in perpetuity use for any any, any usage ever <laughs> for forever. They can sell it to third parties, and you have no uh, recourse against this particular company. That's what it says, you know, and and they own the copyright. They own their, they own ownership of the files. So that's what the contract says. Those are classic text to speech. That's what it is. It's a text to speech contract. They're, they're taking the files. They're going to sell those files for 25 or $35,000 a piece to different speech companies. And they're going to go up online. And this particular company's, if you go to their website, they're building a library of synthetic voices, there's 21 on there now. So voiceover artists are signing this contract to go to make a clone voice of themselves on this website that anyone can go to to get anything read. Why would you do that as a voice talent? Like, why would you do that? Because what's a, the point a,
0: a for $2,000? $2, $2,000 sounds like a lot of money for some some <laughs> folks, but you're, you just eliminated your livelihood for literally the rest of your life
2: <laughs> at that point. Yeah, career right? suicide. Yeah, That's what I call it.
0: I've actually seen them and a couple of people have pointed them out to me. There's been posts going up on Instagram that are clearly text-to-speech companies who are seeking just, you know, everyday people to come in and record an hour or whatever. And they're flipping them $50 Amazon gift cards. And people are like, oh, cool. I can get a $50 Amazon gift card. I'm like, do you even understand what you're giving away right now? Like, do you even understand what you're signing up for right now? So a big part of it really is then just understanding the usage. and. Being smart enough to to stand up for yourself and say yes, no, change this, change that, and obviously a willingness to walk away too, right?
2: Right. I mean, I I don't. I advise all my clients not to do those jobs unless they are, they change the contract to say, you know, that if they sell it to a third party or if it's broadcast, there's going to be a new contract signed. You know, but they don't want to. These companies, they're not going to agree to that. I've never had that. I've never had a. A text-to-speech company agree to those things ever, because it goes against the whole reason why they're doing that in the first place.
0: And they know right? that there's somewhere out there, there's a voice actor that's going to sign on no matter exactly. what.
2: Yeah, exactly. And another good point that you made, I was actually on the panel for um, artificial intelligence, text-to-speech at um, the one voice conference that just occurred. And a point that they made was that those $50 normal everyday voices they produce they don't produce as good as a text-to-speech quality as a voice talent, a professional voice talent. So you get what you pay for kind of thing. So yep. that's why they're getting voice talent to do this, because they're getting a professional quality text-to-speech that's going to be seamless versus someone that doesn't know how to do this that gets paid 50 bucks. So and they're, you know, paying a couple of grand for the talent to do it. So you even have more of a worth as a as a voice talent. Because you're getting them very high quality files versus, you know, somebody that's getting paid 50 bucks. So then they're probably not going to be able to use those voices on these sites that they're trying to build you know, with the synthetic voices because they want them high quality. So that's something else to keep in mind. Another reason why, you know, hold out for, for your worth because that, you know, you, you got to get paid if you're going to do a text to speech job and it's potentially career suicide, you got to at least pay something decent for, you know, for uh, doing that kind of job, in my opinion.
0: I think that's a pretty solid opinion. This brings up another issue that I hadn't really planned on venturing into, but we're here now, so let's just quickly discuss this. AI is coming. Whether we like it or not, it is coming. And I know for me, I've already been having conversations with companies about potentially creating, like, AI mark because I see that there is a potential for passive income for me I'm I'm not sure that it's there yet, but it might be there five years down the road, but I don't want to be late to the party. And so I'm I'm looking for ways to potentially get into this early. And I know there are some other voice actors that are, are doing the same thing. And so rather than just being afraid that the robots are coming and protesting it on social media like so many are doing, I'm trying to get educated. I'm trying to to figure out is there a way that I can make this work in my business? So for anybody that's thinking about going down that road. Is there specific language that you think that they need to be looking for or, or including if you were going to work with a company on creating like the AI version of Rob or the AI version of
2: Mark? Yes, that is, that is a trend that, um, some companies are trying to, to create. So they're trying to clone voice talent voices and, um, give, you know, you'll, that's a a source of passive income. So, Basically, you'd want the contract to say that you get a residual for, or, you know, a piece of whatever sales are used from your, your virtual synthetic voice, cloned voice. So that would be something you want to write in the contract. Or if, if, um, if the company is going to transfer the files or sell the files to a third party that you're going to have the right to sign a contract with that, that uh, third party, that's something else you can put into the contract. You know anything that that just doesn't close the door on the future, future negotiation. That's what you want to put into the contract. Ideally, if you can keep the copyrights, that's the biggest protection because then you can copyright the file, and if it ends up in someone else's hands, like in Bev Bev's case, you know you have copyright, uh, copyright action, infringement action in court. So that's the, that's the ideal thing.
0: The big keep- question that I asked was who owns the voice. And when I was told that ultimately I owned the voice, yep, that made me feel a lot better about everything because I knew down the road, if I decided that I didn't like the direction that things were going, or I didn't like the way that it was being used or whatever, I knew ultimately I have the ability to pull the plug because I own the voice.
2: Right. And that's, the copyright. and that's different
0: yes. from these jobs that we're seeing on pay to plays where you're selling your voice. For $2,000 or right. sometimes less.
2: Correct. You're selling ownership. You're, you're selling – all you're doing is just uh, saying a bunch of, you know, five or 10,000 random phrases and getting paid. And they're keeping the, everything. They're keeping ownership of the copyright. They're uh, saying that they can sell those, those, those files anywhere they want to uh, to any third party, that they can use them in, in any media any way they want to. That's what those contracts say. In perpetuity. Yep.
0: So making sure that the language is right is such a big piece of the puzzle. And I man, I'm so grateful that we've had this conversation because there's it's an area that talent don't think about and they get frightened by. And the reality is in today's landscape, we need to know this stuff. I mean, 10 years ago, when maybe even longer, when everything was filtering through agents, your agents dealt with all of this. But now that everything doesn't filter through agents, we're working with clients directly that we've gone out and gone on our own, or we're working with clients directly that we've connected with via casting sites or whatever. We do have to understand some of this stuff. We do need to know what we are signing or what we won't sign. And so it's an important conversation to have. And I know that a lot of this you address in your book, Voice Over Legal. So just tell us a little bit about that book and some of the topics that are covered and most importantly, where we can find it.
2: Sure. Before I do that, I just want to emphasize what you said. And the most important thing to make it easy for voice talent, the most important thing to know what you're, when you're signing a contract or when you're reviewing a contract or you're entering into a job is the usage. That's the most important thing. So it's it's even more important than the pay. I mean, obviously the pay is the pay, but usage, 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 usage. That is the most important thing. Figure out where they're going to use your voice and how and long then, they're going to use it for. Right, the usage. Yep. Where and how long? Like that. That once you figure that out, then you can figure out if you're getting paid fairly. If you're, you know, your career's in jeopardy. You know, all everything else flows out of that. So that's when that's all you got to think about as a voice talent, where are they using my voice? That should be the first question that you ask when someone approaches you for a job, where are you going to use my voice and for how long? Yep. So my book, my book covers this. It covers, um, whether to set up an LLC or be a sole proprietor, um, talks about celebrity impersonations. Like we talked about earlier, it talks about, uh, tax things. It talks about unions, agents, all of these things. Um, and you can find it at, uh, on Amazon or you can find it at voiceoverlegal.com if you want a hard copy.
0: Okay. Awesome. And uh, I mean, like I said, we got to know this stuff and who better to learn it from than an attorney who is also a working voice actor. So absolutely understands the space lives in the space. And I mean, I will say, Rob, I've, I've, I've hired you for a few different things. Now I, I got into a copyright situation over an image. I, have used you once before for a client who took a voiceover file and used it where they weren't supposed to use it, and we had to, to deal with that issue. Uh, you're working with me on something else right now, so I can, I can vouch for how, how amazing you are to work with, how well you know your stuff, how easy you make some of the stuff to, to deal with. It's nice to know that we've got somebody like you in, in our corner. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, maybe they've got an issue that they're, they're working through right now or they may need a little bit of uh, legal advice, how can we find you?
2: Easiest ways through my website. It's uh, Rob sig esq r dot com.
0: And I will throw that in the show notes as well as a link to voiceover legal. So you can check the show notes to be able to get in touch. Rob, thank you so much for hanging out with us and, and for all of the information that you've shared with us. It's It's stuff that we really, really need to know. And you made it easy to understand, which is not always the case when it comes to trying to work through some of the legal stuff. So thank you so much.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Rob has definitely helped me out of some jams in the past. And uh, it's also been nice to call him for situations when I wasn't in a jam, but I just needed legal advice for other reasons. It's so great to know that we have somebody in the voiceover community who understands where we're at and has the ability to help us from the legal perspective. So check out the website, check out the book, and also let us know that you're listening. Let us know that you enjoyed this episode. Let us know if there was something in this episode that you found really helpful. I'd love it if you would post it in your Instagram stories. You can tag me, at Mark Scott, and you can tag Rob, at Rob Sig, and I will put both of those into the show notes so that you can find them easily. It's always nice to know that you're listening and enjoying, and speaking of that, you can listen wherever fine podcasts are given away for free, and of course, all of the archives, every episode is available for download at Vopreneur.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll catch you on the next one.
1: The Everyday Viopreneur Podcast. Available everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Mostly, we think. You need a mobile-friendly demo player on your website that works across any device and platform. VoiceZam has you covered. The player is easy to install, can be skinned to match your site design, and makes your demos instantly downloadable. It even offers options for video and analytics. Sign up for VoiceZam now at voicezam.com slash markscott, and you'll receive a free $25 credit to your account. View the full offer details and sign up at voicezam.com slash markscott. And And that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for hanging out. Want more Vopreneur goodness? Jump online at Vopreneur.com.